2005's first impressions of Earth, which was kind of their, I don't know what I want to, like their We Need to Evolve album. Just like their last album, this did not go well critically. I think like Pitchfork gave it a 5 out of 10. This did not do well. But Juicebox was the Strokes' second UK top 10 hit Mm -hmm. and their second US modern rock top 10 hit. So it it didn't do terribly. I'm going to start with Evil. Evil, first impressions of Earth. Carrie and I both chose this as your favorite album. (laughs) What are your what are your impressions on first impressions? I think that it is a very different thing to be able to experience a band's 20 year career in a couple of weeks than it is to experience it as they are sort of progressing through their career. I was able to listen to six albums and and hear this kind of deliberate progression and playfulness and experimentation that they were doing truncated period of time. Uh This album was panned fairly badly badly, by critics. I think I can see maybe why knowing the story of the band, but I don't think it was fair. If we were doing one of our other episodes was, did this age poorly? Did, you know, how how was Uh it? How was underrated, overrated then versus now? I think it was very underrated then. And I I feel like it's looked back upon now through more objective goggles by most people. It seems like there are more fans of this album today than there were then. I like this album. It's their heaviest album by far. It is their heaviest. It's also album. one of their longest albums. Like two of their albums are longer than the rest. Most of yes. them are clocking just barely over a half hour. Got to be honest. God bless them. Right? I mean, <laughs> you know me. Like get in, get out, get it done. Um, <laughs> the, the first time I listened to it, I didn't like it because it was too long. I'm like, fuck, oh, I don't want to listen to this all of this strokes <laughs> music because uh, I got other stuff to listen to, you know. But yep. when I kind of settled into the vibe of listening to the band. This one grew on me more and more. It did not get a fair shake in its time. I don't. I agree. Carrie, do you agree? Do you disagree? Uh, That it got a that it got everything that Evil just said. (laughs) Oh, um. point by point. (laughs) I hope you're taking notes. Got it. (laughs) She's up to fourteen pages by now. Yep. (laughs) One of the things that we'll probably talk about a little bit later, or maybe maybe now the different producers Mm -hmm. and I think you touched on it earlier yeah and the thing that stood out for me which is really I started researching the producers because that's like my producer brain goes into who did this and they added this guy and I don't know if David I think it's David Kahn or Kane I'm not sure how you say it he produced Paul McCartney nobody big Tony Bennett those are and sublime okay. and sublime. And I was like, well, okay, there it is. Yeah. Right. Like there's that influence, the heaviness, the crunchiness, the letting go a little bit of that restraint, mm-hmm. finding a little bit of messiness that mm-hmm. I was hoping for. One thing that I do a lot when I'm listening to new music that I've never heard before is I listen to it with headphones on super low volume so that if something pops out at me, I want to listen to that. You know, and so I'll go through the whole album at like incredibly low volume. And then as soon as something pops, I'll write down the track number and then I'll go back and listen to it in the order of, do I sound like a serial killer? Wow. No, it's just a fascinating, I've I've never thought of doing it. Yeah. I'll go and listen to it in the order because as a, 
as a musician, they tell you like, always put your three strongest songs at the top of your mm -hmm. album, right? Because no matter what, whether it's on an album, a CD, streaming, whatever, that's the first thing that you want people to hear. But with this stuff, very, very often, it would be like track four or six before I wrote something down. Mm. And then when I did, I was like, okay, this makes sense. And this album for me, I mean, despite everything that was going on in the background, it felt more cohesive to me. It mm. felt stronger to me. It felt like they really cared about this music. Not that they didn't care about the first album, but that it's like they tried harder That's and they tried more to, to make it something. They sounded like they really cared about this one. Yep. Yeah. I agree. And I really liked this album out of all of them. I completely agree. I do think that you are very, very onto something with this grittiness that they were getting into because it was originally David and Raphael that were producing this together and they eventually kicked Raphael to the curb. Mm. and said that it's not working. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe it's because David was pushing them farther to that brink and Raphael didn't like it. Mm -hmm. uh, but who knows? Because every fucking Strokes album, they end up kicking some producer to the curb because mm -hmm. of whatever. That's one of the things I love about this band is there is no feel for this band. I think this album's fantastic. This was the album that made me realize, and this kind of speaks to some of the things we were talking about, that as fans, we can be fucking terrible. Absolutely <laughs> terrible. I remember clamoring so hard for this album release and being so disappointed when I heard just like a few songs that just weren't the strokes, you know? Mm, yeah. It's completely unfair. As a band, why the fuck would you want to just keep coming out with this, this, it over and over and over? <laughs> this album, along with Our Love to Admire by Interpol, was a big soundtrack for me being in uh, Reno. Man, when this album came out, I was a little rough on it when I first heard like with like Juicebox and, and whatever. the I don't remember what the other single was when it first came out, but I fucking I ended up listening to it 800 times. <laughs> what both of you were talking about is that, you know, those albums where nothing really happens the first time you listen to it. But then you keep listening to it and all of a sudden there's some weird fucking harmonizing in track seven where you're like, whoa, wait, yep. what was that? Yeah. And then that song you just listen to over and then all of a sudden you're like, wait, track 12, what the fuck's going That's this album for me. You know, <laughs> when I listened to the Needle Drop talk about this record Who? and him saying how it was too loud and too heavy, I'm like, I'm going to fucking love this record. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie, what's your favorite or best song, however you positioned it, on First Impressions of Earth? <laughs> My favorite song was Heart in a Cage. I thought the best song was Juicebox. Just commercially, because I, mean, I, I didn't know we were, like... Ugh. Don't explain the, uh, your amazing no, answer. No, no. Just, just shut up and just be happy. Carrie, I'm answers. new at this. I'm just trying to fit in. Carrie, that was the best answer you could have done. <laughs> uh, Evil, what about you? Anyone who coined YOLO before Drake gets my vote. <laughs> so <laughs> You Only Live Once, I think is a fucking it's great so track. Good. I could have picked so many from this album as best or my favorite, but I went with it. I, it caught me out of like... That beginning with him hitting yeah. the stand on the hi-hat, yeah. the ting, 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 ting. It just pulls you into the album when the guitars come in and it opens up and it just, it's great. It's a great album opener. I'm going with my favorite being, it's not my favorite. I'm going to do what Carrie did. <laughs> I'm going to do a, what, what I'm going to say my favorite is electric cityscape. Mm, good one. That driving drum beat. I love that. 
And then I think the best song, if there was a song that I was going to give to somebody to say that this is the strokes at their best, this is the guitars, the bass, the drums, and Julian just completely full bore, 100% perfection. It's a vision of division. Mm. Yeah, everybody go listen to that song. It's yes. fucking That's that, amazing. The opening riff to that song might be the favorite thing that they've ever done for me. Oh, well, mm. I win. Good job. <laughs> Um, That's crazy because that song got panned like one of the hardest pans. Which, dude, how? <laughs> it's just interesting, right? Because it, the critics versus the audience, it's the rotten tomatoes of music. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> they decide that they don't like to uh, be a band anymore uh, <laughs> because of how fucking panned this album got. And they wait until 2011 to do Angles. This album took more than two years, mostly because of the way that they recorded it, which everybody in the band fucking hated because they didn't record it together. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of quotes out there from other band members saying Julian was never there. He wrote the songs and he wasn't fucking there. I would never do an album like this again, that sort of thing. I think this speaks a lot to the struggles they were having with their label and how at this point i'm not sure they wanted to be a band but they were being forced to be a band carrie what are your thoughts on angles for me it was a tough listen i didn't know about the sort of problems between them and and the fact that it almost didn't get done because they were doing it in such a disjointed way yeah and you know the snarky comments about how this was the only way to make everybody happy. This was the ultimate in compromise, uh, you know, by letting it be a highly collaborative work that they had never done that before, you mm-hmm. know, and it kind you kind of feel that the whole thing has this very much like, oh, we're going to go this way. Nope, we're going this way. Nope. We're, you know, because some of it had a really kind of cool 80s vibe, like new wave vibe. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it just went a completely opposite direction it was like what is this and if i think if you listen to that album as singles mm. that it mm-hmm. would feel better you know but as a body of work as 100%. a piece but then i read a really interesting quote from julian it's from 2014 so it was after all of this but he was kind of referring back to this time and he said a band is a great way to destroy a friendship a tour is a great way to destroy a band. (laughs) And I was like, damn, there it is right there. You know, (laughs) it's so true. And so, you know, they were going through shit. There were issues with substances. And again, I go back to that whole thing of like, when you're hyped up that much and then things start to go poorly. Yeah. You know, there really isn't anywhere you can go. Yes. So this was maybe a way for them to say, hey, let's give something new a try. Let's try all working together, except Julian's going to email in his vocals. Like Completely agree. <laughs> in comparison to the Rolling Stones, they aren't that good of a rock band because I was going to say, how long can you just fucking go on a bender? <laughs> a decade of a bender, it just doesn't work, but it works for some people. Carrie said a, a brilliant thing is if you listen to it as singles, it kind of makes sense. There's definitely an 80s vibe. This is the album where I really picked up on the cars as an influence, like a heavy, heavy influence. Two Kinds of Happiness in particular. That song like just screams the cars at me. What surprised me is like I took this band's catalog in in a couple of weeks 
And I look back and like critically, they're like, this is like a return to form for the strokes. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Because it's so disjointed and all over the place. It's like a weird collection of ideas. And some of them are really interesting, but I don't know if they all work well together. As individual tracks, I think there's some strong tracks, but as an album, I don't know what's going on. It's, it's super bizarre. I remember when this came out, being super excited I mean, th- I'm not even going to keep, you know, who didn't like this album. The fucking Strokes didn't like this album. <laughs> if the Strokes didn't like this album, how the fuck are we supposed to like this album? Carrie said it best. There are singles on here that are fantastic. Mm-hmm. There are cool aspects of this, but mm-hmm. I agree. I, I think it's disjointed. One of the issues that I have with the Strokes is that later on in their career, they didn't give a fuck anymore. Mm. And it's really hard to root for a band that doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> really hard. I yeah. remember the juxtaposition between the I've seen these band this band three times. The first band was at that end fest I talked about, which was amazing. You know, they're drinking, they're going nuts, they're falling off the stage. The last time I saw them was in Canada, probably about three years ago. And their stage thing was basically that they it was a too cool vibe. It was a, I'm up here and it's whatever Mm. and I I don't really need to be up here kind of thing. And it was so unlikable. I was Mm. also fucking on the floor and old. And that was the first (laughs) concert that I realized like I should not be on the, I should not be in general admission right now. What the fuck am I doing here? When I researched the producer for this album, Joe Chicavelli or Chichavelli? Guess as good as mine on that. Okay. Well, the reason I went down that path was because I read an article that said Pharrell had shown interest in producing this album. Ultimately didn't get it, which I don't know if that's good or bad, but this Joe Chicavelli got it. And I look him up and I'm like, holy shit. This guy has produced Frank Zappa, Morrissey, Spoon, The Shins, My Morning Jacket, Counting Crows, U2, Tori Amos, The Killers, Alanis Morissette, and Jason Mraz. (laughs) When I looked at that and I was like, Whoa, whoa, that's all over the place, mm. right? Again, you're working yep. with a producer who has so many influences that maybe that's part of the reason they ended up sounding a little bit disjointed. I don't know. you know. When they also didn't like doing the album with him. Okay. The Strokes okay. have talked about how they didn't like the way that he produced. Okay. So it's kind of like they just went through, you know. Exactly. Which is hard on a band. That's really hard, hard, on, a hard band, on a band, you know? And it's also kind of their own fault. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you doing? Carrie, what is your favorite song on this? Gratisfaction. Gratisfaction. That's a made-up word. <laughs> it, it is. Yeah, it's a good yes. one. Evil, what about you? Under Cover of Darkness. It's kind of that's bouncy and happy. That's the strokes. Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't say that, but that's it's old school strokes. Yeah. Yeah. Like it kind of reminds me of you only live once. It's mm-hmm. that kind of style of strokes. What about 2013's Come Down Machine? So Come Down Machine 2013 through RCA Records, the band pulls a complete media blackout. They basically, from what I have gathered, which they didn't just come out and say, they didn't want to do this fucking album. RCA made this them do this album. Hence them doing the media blackout. Hence them basically not doing a cover. RCA's traditional what the fuck ever to make that the cover. <laughs> but here's the thing. I think this album is pretty fucking well put together. And I do think that this speaks to a little bit of... If you are a tight band 
that does love each other and you do get in the studio together like they did on this one, there's some good fucking shit on this album. Evil, what did you think about Come Down Machine? I think it is a much more cohesive album than the previous album. It doesn't sound like a album by the strokes. It sounds like a side project. (laughs) So as an album, as a group of songs, feels much more cohesive, feels like it goes together as a artistic endeavor. It's too chill for me too. Also, (laughs) let's let's, let's be real. It's just way too chill. (laughs) Carrie, what about you? What did you think of Come Down Machine? I I mirror evil a lot on this, except for the part about it being too chill because I kind of like that. And it was kind of the loungiest of mm-hmm. their work. One quote that I read was like, it was about the album cover. They created a mixtape of all their favorite songs from things that they were working on and then just put it in a cassette, you know, with, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that, that really speaks to it because, you know, it does feel like a project. It definitely feels like it has, you know, a beginning, middle and an end. It has a a general mm-hmm. theme. To me, it's not quite as interesting, I think, as, you know, first impressions. It kind of feels like they knew they had to put something out. Yeah. I, I can see that. Like I said, I think it's way more put together yeah. than the last album. There are songs on this one that I think are incredible. What's your favorite song on it, Evil? Uh, Welcome to Japan is my <laughs> favorite song on this. Me too. Me three. Whoa. Yeah. Triplet sing. <laughs> Welcome to Japan's yeah. fucking awesome, dude. That's such a good song. Yeah. The New Abnormal 2020. It is their latest album. It just came out three years ago. Rick Rubin. Who's that guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> decides to throw his hat in and do this one. Fuck it. The influence is just so much different than their earlier mm. stuff. Yeah. This album to me is so much more of a sit down and pay attention album. You know, if I'm driving in the car or I'm I'm doing whatever and I, this album comes on, I'm not so into it. Mm-hmm. But then when I sat down to study for this and had the lyrics up and was really paying attention to the music, this album's got a lot going on. Carrie, what did you think about the new Abnormal? So this was actually the first album I listened to studying for this because I wanted to start oh. with the newest stuff. Since I knew the first album, backwards. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it backwards. <laughs> the first thing that struck me was the cover because I'm a huge Jean-Michel Basquiat nerd. Oh. And that painting in particular, it was for Charlie Parker because it's called Bird on no Money. Shit. And that was Charlie Parker's nickname was Bird. And so when I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, if you don't know who Basquiat, Jean-Michel Basquiat was a painter, very underground at first. He was from New York and kind of like the Strokes, it was like overnight success. He was doing these paintings and he got picked up and basically became huge, made a shit ton of money. And then became a heroin addict. He was actually with Madonna for a while. Like he was, he was on the scene. He was the guy. And his okay. work is so expressive and so full of color. And when he got hooked on heroin, he died a really tragic death in the street. Nobody, it was really, really tragic story. But the work that came out of his very, very short career is Absolutely incredible. I foresee a YouTube episode in Evil and Carrie's future. If they're using a Basquiat print, I'm already, you know, way more than halfway there. The second thing I noticed 
was he <laughs> was that he finally, for God's sake, finally lost the vocal uh, affectation, like the filters and shit yep. that I just hate. Oh. I want to hear the voice. I want to well, hear the voice. Well, you save that for the end. <laughs> hey, girl's got to keep something under her hat. You know... <laughs> Oh, you know that thing the Strokes did their whole career? I fucking hate that. I, I did, and I do, honestly. So the, the first song, you know, I was like, oh, my God, it's not there. I was so mm-hmm. happy. The next thing I noticed was like, oh, my gosh, this guy has actually been working on his falsetto. Now yeah. it's not just this mm. affected falsetto. It's a real, true falsetto. I was like, wow, okay, thank you so much. And the timing of naming it the new abnormal for me like it came out in 2020 and it's like (laughs) i read about that because i read about everything and it was actually a quote from the former governor of california who was talking about the california wildfires in 2018 and he mentioned the phrase well this is the new abnormal and the Mm. strokes picked that up and loved it but then fuck 2020 happens and how many times did people say this is the new normal yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't even know this album existed. So all those things, like, put them all together. Then plus, like, there was this song that I heard, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is totally a Billy Idol song. I was super pissed, and then I went back to the notes, and there he is in the credits. I'm like, okay, all right. Bad Decisions is an interesting piece of art. He does give credit to Billy Idol. It's his chord structure. It's his take on fame, playing songs that they want to play instead of what the fans want which is a complete fuck you to people like me. And I love it. I completely (laughs) love it because that's bad decisions is basically dancing with myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and also it reminded me hugely. And I'm like, well, of course there are modern English fans because it's also, I melt with you. Oh Mm -hmm. fuck. Mm -hmm. Yes. It sounded so much like Keen to me, too. I don't know if you guys know the band Keen. Jesus. But I was like, the melodies and some of the counter melodies, I was just like, oh, man. Like, like you said, the influences were so different. And it really made me feel differently going back and listening to all the rest of the catalog. It got really well reviewed by critics this time. I don't know if that's a Rick Rubin thing. Mm. I don't know why. This almost works as sort of a, um, not a concept album. But I do love that at the beginning, there's a lot on his love and his dependency on specific relationships and it being this kind of bright thing. And then towards the end of the album, it becomes the dependency on these relationships that's really ruining them and what's Mm. whatever stupid toxicity word or whatever you want to use for relationships. It's such a complete opposite of their first album where you really, really have to get down into the nitty gritty to understand this album. It's like the exact opposite. Huh? (laughs) <laughs> that that is interesting bookends because going back to the discussion we had about them at that age like they didn't have experience mm-hmm. they were kind of winging it versus this album where they have the experience and the life as a band and all the ups and downs and ins and outs and yeah critics hating them and it, now it's much more complex huh that's a good take Evil, what's your best song? What what song do you like? <laughs> I, so, I, I I like that you both of you mentioned bad decisions. It's it's not the one I'm going to mention, but that I I put it down as like make sure you talk about this because <laughs> yeah, really idle yeah. modern English. Yeah, Brooklyn Bridge to Chorus is the one that that got me for some reason because it's fucking awesome. Yeah, maybe maybe that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Carrie, what about you? The adults are talking. Great opener. 
And for yep. me, just like melodically, finally, it was like, fuck, finally. <laughs> maybe it is our favorite evil. Maybe we, maybe we're going to uh-huh. be okay. That track also, it's got like this Mike Mothersbaugh feeling like Devo. Like oh, I yeah. feel like yeah. they are heavily influenced by Devo. Interesting. Like if you took. Even just the beginning. the Yes. But throughout yeah, their whole totally. career, if you took their guitars on their first album and made those electronic, mm-hmm. it's Devo. I didn't hear that, but I can hear it now. Brooklyn Bridge to Chorus, man. And that 80s song, How Did It Go? I want new friends, but they don't want me. That's, That's kind of what we were line. talking about with Julian's <laughs> lines, man. That's a great line. We got to take a break. I mean, for fuck's sake, this might be a double. Uh, sorry, Carrie. <laughs> I told you we were throwing you into the deep end. Uh, We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. We are back. Let's get into the uh, second half of this. <laughs> it won't be as long. I promise the you. The second Karen. half? <laughs> Are we in the final third? We'll see. <laughs> how big, how big, how big, Jesus Christ. How good is the band name, the song titles, the album covers, the art? Evil, I'm going to start starting with you. Start, start, starting. Because you are our art man. Uh, you might have a little competition now, though. Where do you stand on these art, these, God, fuck, I can't talk. Where do you start, where do you, fuck, where do you stand on these album covers, the art of the strokes? Where do you stand? I feel like they surf the tides of whatever sort of genre or direction they're going with their album covers. They feel like they're very heavily curated. Mm. I was surprised that the RCA one was just sort of like, fuck it, just put the... It was but, kind of a fuck that, you to the label is what it was. That yeah. in itself is a curated decision. It, absolutely. I, I kind of like that. Actually. And joke's on them because uh, it's a good fucking cover. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it it reminds me a little bit of Rated R by Queens of the Stone Age, which oh, is always a good thing. Yeah. Angles has an 80s-ish vibe to it. Uh, their name, The Strokes, I think if I were to rewind to when they first came out and been like, is that a genius name? I don't know if I would have said yes, but how many bands are like the whatevers? Oh yeah. The hives, the the killers, the hives, the vines, yes. the, the pogues, the, the pixies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. She's poking fun. She's throwing shade at me. This is hilarious. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> the pogues and the pixies, of course. But they were very deliberately curating being a throwback band. I, well, you look at their the logo that they had that was on every fucking hipster shirt for 10 years. That silver, <laughs> chrome, the strokes. I might have that fucking shirt. They themselves were kind of a aesthetic. It was a decision. I mean, fuck, come on. Like, Julian's father was a modeling agency. Yeah. I, they're, they're very deliberate about their fashion choices yeah they're incredibly astute in making artistic and fashion decisions in a way that will make them money i i think you're right i i think you're right i don't think that it i don't think that they how do i word this carrie i'm gonna think while you talk uh what are your thoughts on the art of the strokes the art is i think highly stylized 
I'm really bummed out that that very first album cover didn't stick. Agreed. You know, first impressions, it's like, okay, it feels a little art school-y to me. Mm. Like, Mm -hmm. angles, fits, Evil said, the 80s sound. Have you guys seen their website? No. Open their website right now. I don't think it is like an 80s computer. It's brilliant, in my opinion. The the website is pixelated, it's like 8 bit. That's interesting. It's really clever. Again, it's one of those things that's like almost too clever, you know, it's for its It's, own good. It's very curated. It's very curated. It's very stylized. This is like Windows (laughs) 3.1. I think the artwork is effective. I was very surprised on the new Abnormal to see an actual art piece. Yeah. Not just because that, I don't know how much money that must have cost, but also because it shows a level of maturity in terms of like, this is an actual piece of art as opposed to making something feel purposely fitting the theme of the music, mm. but not not really being artistic. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. This website is so fucking stupid. The website's great. It's great, though. I love it. And if you really, like, click through stuff, you get lost in it, and it's very cool. The screensaver, it looks like GeoCity. It looks like Angel Fire GeoCities. (laughs) Oh, my God. I mean, at least it's not the Oregon Trail, but it's pretty cool. If they had Oregon Trail on there, I would be on it every day. I'd I'd be winning. The name, I think, is really great. I think the name is Graphic. I think the name like says a lot and it can go many different ways. Kind of love that it was like a throwaway because you know how many yep. times you've been in a band where you're like, what should we name yeah. ourselves? You have to bring 10 names through. a day and everybody's oh like, fuck it, do that yeah. one. Who cares? Yeah, that one we're done. I love the name. I do. I love the aesthetic. I loved the same thing. The art of the first album was awesome. I'm a little bummed now that I know more about it, but hey, that's life. It sucks and then you die. <laughs> How timeless is the band's music? This is a good question for you two because you did hear the first album when it was kind of of its perfect time. And then the whatever you want to call it, the fast forward of the listening to the whole discography in two or three weeks or whatever. I feel like they're the work that they're known for, like their seminal work, first couple albums is very much early 2000s sounding. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's fair to spread that across their entire catalog. But at the same time, their experimentation sort of like follows the trends that have come since then. Maybe that's even yeah. more dated uh, in a way now that I think about it. I need to listen to their most recent album more because Rick Rubin squeezed genius out of things that initially don't seem like genius. I think that album's going to grow on me the most. Speaking to that, it is the album that after studying for this, you do need the most time with to really get. Mm -hmm. I think it's not timeless, but I do think that the single from the first album last night, if you reworked it even a tiny bit, it could still be released today. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably one of the only songs that you could do that with where it would stand the test of time. Everything else to me is of a time. One of the things that we have always said on this podcast is that if you have the same band members for all the albums, you've got a good fucking band. That's one of the big things about them is all the shit that they've gone through, that put each other through, that Julian's put them through, all the producers they've gone through. It's the same five guys. I think the fact that even on the albums where they were just kind of like, fuck this, it's still good, which is silly. Carrie, what are your thoughts on (laughs) the band, the dudes? Thoughts are, I mean, almost exactly that. 
the longevity, keeping the same five people, that's unbelievable. That doesn't happen. So that's a testament to, you know, probably in my mind, it's a testament to their relationship as kids. Sometimes you just spark with somebody when you're little, even though, you know, some of them met later. It's like there's a time in your life where you can hang on to those same people for a really, really long time. If you do and if you can, there's just this history that's so rich. It's undeniable. And I think you'd have to do some pretty awful, rotten shit to lose that. And these guys seem like they've been able to get through it. I think a 20-plus year career is extremely admirable. 2030 isn't far away. It's 2023. It's like in the late, the second half of 2023 now. In 2030, these guys are going to be in their 50s. The strokes are going to be in their 50s. (laughs) And we will be in our... I want to... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't matter at this point. I want to see what else they have in their tank. I personally think they're done. I don't think they'll ever do do anything again together. I agree. I might just be projecting off of that last concert I went to, but I really feel like, and it's a bummer because as far as them being my favorite band of all time, they probably would be a high contender if it wasn't for the fact that it really feels like they didn't give a shit about being a band the last time I saw them. And even some of the things I heard about the some of the last couple albums they did. So I just don't, mm. I just don't know if they... I don't think they will ever whoa, come out whoa, with an album whoa, again. Whoa. I, what? In October 2022, Rick Rubin revealed he'd been recording a new album with The Strokes in Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's Angles 2.0. <laughs> really, though? Mm-hmm. Do you think they'll ever come out with it? Who knows? Strokes are currently working on their... Seventh album. I don't know. April of 2023. Super producer Rick Rubin. <laughs> well, good. I, I I hope they do, I think. I don't know, man. Um, Let's talk. <laughs> it's hard, you know? Like, it, I don't know. Okay, I kinda... so here to, to like put a, an actual pin in that. It's like I read a lot of articles that said there are so many bands that decided to stop, right? And... Mm-hmm. Strokes are not one of them. That can be seen as a tenacious, this is who we are, this is what we do. Or it can be seen as like doing a 15th season of Seinfeld. Like, just no, just stop. Like, yes. stop while you're ahead. You're saying they're a tenacious F. <laughs> <laughs> Let, don't laugh that hard, Carrie. Sorry. <laughs> That's funny. That's cute. Um, this will be an interesting one. I'm very excited to hear the answers to this. Evil, what's your fifth favorite Stroke song as of now? The, uh, oh my God. This list uh, changed so much. Which is going to happen like, when I, you're I, kind of listening oh for the first God. time to a band. Yeah, and and my top five are, is not interesting at all. <laughs> uh, it's going to be very predictable. Oh. Um, at one point, this was closer to the top. And it's I've moved it down. It's a uh, vision of division. Yes, it's kind of it's a great song. It, like I said, it's the Strokes all working at a hundred percent. Yeah, and if the fact that it was like like critically panned is criminal. No, the, the, <laughs> it's who would pan that song? I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> it's an amazing song, Carrie. What's your fifth favorite Stroke song? Ask me anything. I just have, I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm a ballad lover, 
and it's it's the closest thing we'll get to a ballad with them. And it's the one song where I thought like this might be somewhat sincere vulnerability, <laughs> maybe. It sounds more sincere. Okay. Than All right. Most of them do. That song reminds me of something that I have I have not placed it yet. Huh. I don't know what it is, but it that reminds me of another song. But okay. what though? Yeah, now I like kind it, of it's really something need to like know. glycerine or, or like bush, oh. you know, bush. It's something okay. like that. Okay, like maybe that's it. But it reminds me of something like that. Singing. Yeah, yeah. It, it. I don't think that's it. Maybe it is. I don't know. My old brain might be. Broken, I can see but, a connection to glycerine with that. Yeah, um, which is yeah. weird because mm-hmm. I also am thinking like, wait, no, that's insane. Maybe that's what. <laughs> Why I just don't want to accept it. Maybe that's that's your fifth favorite stroke song. No, it's (laughs) no, I didn't do favorites, I did the best. Mine is from the same album, a couple songs before it. It's on the other side. It's it's just a very DL song. Mm. Nobody's waiting for me on the (laughs) other side. That's so fucking cool. Fucking guitar that did, you did it. Yeah, it's amazing. It's so good. I'll keep going. I'm going to keep going. So my fourth favorite song by The Strokes is off of Come Down Machine, actually. And it is 50-50. It is the, mm-hmm. I'd say it is the heaviest song that The yeah. Strokes do in their last half of their discography. Yes. It's fast. It's rough. It's loud. And Julian is just fucking going for it. I love that song. I don't even know what he's saying. I think he say, I will say, I will say, don't judge me or something like that. It just sounds so cool. Carrie, what's your fourth favorite song? Uh, from Is This It, it's Someday. Yeah. Super catchy, really melodic. I, I think it speaks exactly to that time I've, in the 2000s. You know, I'm not going to disagree with you. I think it does. <laughs> okay. Evil, what about you? I said that my list is boring because it, <laughs> it really reflects the top songs I picked for each album. Uh, my number five is Undercover of Darkness from Angles. Yeah, it's great. I think it's the best song. It's a great it's song. It's so good. It's When I was reading the reviews for that album and they're like, it's a return to form. This is the song. Like it's the second song. So I'm listening to it. I'm like, oh, great. And then the rest of the album, like, what the fuck? Was, <laughs> what, what are they talking about? Except for those first two tracks, you yes. know? But it's a gr- that is a good song. It's a really good song. What is your third favorite Stroke song? <laughs> I could have picked so many songs of this album. And once again, I'm being very boring. I like that you went album to album, though. You Only Live Once. Mm-hmm. And really, the only reason I picked that is to shit on Drake one more time. <laughs> because they... <laughs> Because it could have been Juice Box, yeah. it could have been Heart in a Cage, it could have been Razorblade, it could have been Vision of Division. Uh, you Only Live Once is so good, though. It is a great opener. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, You guys were pretty smart in the album you picked for me. I'll just say that right <laughs> Yeah! <now. laughs> uh, Carrie, what's your third favorite? Juice Box. And it's not favorite, it's best. Sorry, what is your best? Sorry, I know that's like such a semantic Your thing, best just makes less sense than your favorite, to say. Well, it I says, mean, I know, what I, yeah. I know what I wrote. I know. No, Juice Box yeah, is juice box. fucking awesome. Yeah. It's, I just think it's, it's, so, it's like, so anthemic, and they have like great... like Peter Gunn, and... Yeah. If yeah. I were to have to guess Evil's favorite stroke song, it would have been Juice Box. I have really? to say the yeah. same. Yeah. Well, mm, mm-hmm. It's good. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> 
mine is it's insane to me that I'm calling this the third best song. It's insane. <laughs> One of my favorite songs of all time is Heart in a Cage. Mm. The guitar part that mm. it kicks in with. The mm-hmm. But the lyrics in that song too. I don't want what you want. I don't feel what you feel. I'm stuck in a city. I belong in a field. If there was one song that I think Julian was really sounded profound, it's this one. Don't teach me lessons that I've already learned. I just, every, fu- I really fucking like the song, you guys. You're, you're kidding. <laughs> it's really good. No, I really do. I promise. All our friends are laughing at us. The, the way ah. that, that is said, God, it's so good. Mm. So I'm going to go down to turn it around. Exactly. My number two, and it is going to speak to an album that we have not talked about tonight. Oh, Oh. man. Mm. That is foreshadowing. Yeah. And I'm not sure why. The song is Whatever Happened, which is the opening track from Room on Fire, Mm. which we will get into later on. And uh, I'll just leave the the first line here. Uh, I want to be forgotten and I don't want to be reminded. I think that's one of the coolest lyrics that there's ever been in the history of the earth. Um, (laughs) Carrie, what's your second favorite Strokes song? Uh, It's Heart in a Cage. Oh, my God. Woman after my own heart. I place that higher than you is a little bit shocking, but (laughs) cool. That song's so good. God damn, that song's good. Evil, what about you? I'm taking some liberties if here. If it's Heart in a Cage, we all have to drink. It's not. Uh, <clears throat> okay. But it is off of the album that we shall not say. Oh, yes. And I'm actually doing a three-way tie. <laughs> well, Carrie, don't cry about I'm, it. I, I based all of my decisions on not the album that shall not he said, <laughs> spoken. Damn it. This, we, this is all hazing. Yeah. No. Yeah. We planned this. It has nothing to do with lack We're of We're actually going to be reviewing Britney Spears immediately after this, right? Got it. Yep. Got it. I'm probably going to have more to say about this album in the future, is my guess. <laughs> <laughs> this is cheating so much. I wrote three songs and I can't pick. I wanted to put something on this list from Room on Fire. Yeah. So I, I just wrote Reptilia twelve fifty one and the way it is. <laughs> and You're the, right. And that the, is absolutely cheating. And this is fair how? I could probably do the end has no end as well. I mean, why not? What's interesting to me is I'm not sure if any of those are the aesthetic tone wise that I would have pictured you liking. Really? Yeah, they're a little more of the the majory poppy kind of not pop that that's wrong, but the major kind of happy vibe there. Okay, I'll I'll put me on the spot if I, I'm gonna pick one. I'm gonna pick twelve fifty one. I'm gonna pick that one. Interesting. I love that guitar. It's the cars. Oh, yeah. It does. It's yeah. kind of that that uh, just what I mm. needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Tone. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. All coming together. Remember, I like Van Halen, man. <laughs> you do? You can't what? tell me I don't uh, like happy music. Panama. Carrie. <laughs> what's your? Uh, what's your? Wait, are we on two or We're one? We're on one. No. Evil. On what's your favorite Stroke song? <gasps> uh, it's last night. I, I, that's the song that hooked me in. The brilliant Carrie said that it's the timeless song. So how could I be wrong? And I still think it's probably their best actual guitar solo. The brilliant Carrie said that it's the timeless song. Man. Yeah. 
She worked See? her way up yeah. fast. I love over right. here. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Keep backing up my claims. <laughs> Um, I, I'm going to spread that love right back on your sandwich because it's last night. Too, Are you fucking kidding me? me? I'm ah! not kidding. Holy shit. It's the, I mean, honestly, it's, it's the song that I heard when I was 20 and yep. went, oh, wow, that's super catchy. That's like, who is this? Who is this? There isn't a single yep. song, yep. maybe saved for someday, that they've you know, put out at least commercially where I've gone, who is this? What is this? Last night, it just hooks you immediately. And I still think it could be popular today. Carrie, do you have a drink in your yeah. vicinity? I, I can get one. I mean, I feel like you guys should probably cheers for what just happened. We should probably, you guys both yeah, picked the, like you guys both had the number one favorite best. What okay. Well, let's one? let, I'll go get a drink if it's yours as well. It's not. Ah, okay. Saved by the bell. <laughs> Saved by DL. <laughs> I'll just drink twice because I'm that kind of guy. I'll drink with you, Evil. Here's to you and Carrie. <laughs> it's funny that you said what you just said, Carrie, because my favorite stroke song of all time is Someday. Mm. Ah. That's the song. That's the song that I heard and said, oh, mm -hmm. this might be the coolest fucking band I've ever heard. And... It's always stuck with me. You know, you have your favorite band. It's one of the first ones you hear and you can listen to it a million times and you never will not love it any less than you did the first time. Mm -hmm. So there it is. Let's rank the albums. I'm going to start. And I think we're all going to have the same thing. I'm excited for that. Least bestest Strokes album for me is Angles. And we talked about why. I don't think it's a surprise. Carrie, what about you? Come down machine. Oh. Sorry. Oh my goodness. Wow, you liked that less than angles. I did just because I thought the 80s like the 80s-ishness and <laughs> also because it was just a little bit like, what the heck? And when I listened to them as singles, dang, there's some things on here that Come Down doesn't have. All right. Come down's a little monotone for me. I disagree. That's okay. <laughs> evil, what, evil, what's your least favorite? Well, you can disagree with me as well. Because it is oh. also come down machine. Are you fucking serious? Yeah. It. I think it's. I need to get a drink. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have you listened to this podcast? You probably should have. Right. A drink. All right. Hold, please. <laughs> yeah. She's on probation. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What the fuck kind of hazing is this bullshit? I am not gonna shit on the album. Is that Green Spot? Yes, sir. <gasps> Did you see me call that by the fucking? What? See, I'm going to oh. go get a drink. Comes back with the best Irish whiskey. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. You're in. I want it to be known, Carrie, that I called your booze by the cork. I wondered how you saw it. I was like, you can't see. If you can see that, then you can see that I'm not wearing that's pants. That's my Irish so coffee I'm whiskey. Like, Shit. Green Spot is, that's legit. This is okay. my yeah, favorite. Green Spot this is my favorite is... whiskey. So. Fuck. She's stealing hearts <laughs> all so over. So are we, uh, can we cheers now? Cheers. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Yeah, Come Down Machine, it's not an album by The Strokes. It's a side project that they threw together. It's better as an album, as my number five. Wait, I'm, are we doing five to one or six to one? Five to one. We're not doing the album that shall not be named. So it's better than my number four. Wait a minute. The game's not real and the points don't <laughs> this matter. Is how Carrie. things are, Carrie. <laughs> <It's, laughs> yeah. Like you guys know I got kicked out of kindergarten, right? Like, because I was trying to make things too orderly. 
Yeah, like kids oh, were putting see? fucking bananas in the microwave, and I was like, "What are you like in the toy like kitchen?" You know, like the pretend, and you know, they're. <laughs> I was like, "You guys, this doesn't work at all." And I would like it's, set up well, the little circles for you're people. Sick, and you're like, selling yourself because oh if there's anything, if there's you, bananas in the microwave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I'm working with my band, they're always like. Oh boy, here we go. Oh my god, those bananas are back Have, in the microwave again. Um, <laughs> if we could title our edit, episodes edit. Banana in the Microwave. <laughs> uh, so edits. <laughs> your least favorites come down machine, so is evils. You cheers to it. Uh my least favorite, I already said. I already said that too. I, we already did this. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh evil. <laughs> So, Evil, what's your fifth? Uh, angles. Okay. Yeah. And Carrie's is the same. Same. Probably. Yeah. This might start some shit. I don't know. My <laughs> uh, fifth, my second least favorite is actually the new Abnormal. It just doesn't speak to me the way that the other ones do. What's really interesting is I've talked a lot about how like Interpol, for example, it takes me years to figure an album of theirs out. And then I realize that I like it. And I think there's something there with the new abnormal with studying for this and realizing that there's a lot more there than I thought, which is ridiculous as a fan. But, you know, when you're a big fan of a band, you end up just you, you go back and listen to their other shit. You don't listen to their new album that mm. often. So uh, not, the new abnormal. Uh, OK, mm. uh, I should. <laughs> if, you're, if, if the band you love comes out with something that just fucking rocks the shit, then yeah, yes, okay. that's fair enough. Why? Tell me um, why? Where? At what point? Why? Where, in time point? did you start hating Rick Rubin? I don't hate Rick Rubin at all. I know the question was snark, but I like the question because the reason I like the question is: isn't there a part of us, all of us, that fucking hates Rick Rubin? <laughs> There's got to be a little bit of us that feels like any of us could have been fucking Rick Rubin. You know, he self-admittedly, he's like, I have no talent except for my taste. Exactly. Which I'm not saying is, look, he deserves everything that he's gotten. He's produced insane shit. Yeah. Uh, I think multiple things on our 10 out of 10 wall. Yeah. He's fucking absurd. But there is a little bit of me that's like, dude, I could fucking sit in a fucking room with Jay-Z and just be like, yeah, that beats good. Go ahead and make that. <laughs> there's there's fucking $7 million. Yeah. <laughs> What are your thoughts on Rick Rubin, Carrie? I plead the fifth and decline to answer, but I would like to ask you a question. Wait, have you ever worked with Rick Rubin? No, I have not worked with Rick Rubin. Well, the way you said that was like, Wait. Just his brother-in-law. No, I'm kidding. Not oh. at all, ever. No. No, and I get kickbacks, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> no, I, I may I ask you a question, though, DL? I mean, yeah. It's not about Rick Rubin. So you said that you would get music from your mom's friend for whatever company they worked at together. Yeah. The undisclosed, whatever. Micron. When you were in the Navy. Uh-huh. Is there anything else that you received in this time period that had the same effect on you as the Strokes? Mm. Uh, the first... That you received specifically from this um, friend of your mom's. Yes. Let's the call him Mick yes. Steuben. <laughs> what? <laughs> I love it. Um, it uh, Mick ki Steuben, kill, the third. kill the moonlight by Spoon. Ooh, 
Oh, okay. Which is, uh, that's the one that got the, like the way we get by and paper tiger and all those, that, that album. Okay. Uh, those would be the two that he sent that I was like, holy fucking shit. Well, no. And then soul coughing too. Like the second oh, I heard, God. but yeah. soul coughing is like the second I heard that I was like, Oh yeah. my God. Same. Oh my God. Uh, but yeah, yeah, kill the moonlight would be the only other thing that probably hit me as hard as this one did. I was just curious because it's such, it's so rooted in that time period. Absolutely. I will go, right? Sure. I sure will. My fourth favorite Strokes album is Come Down Machine. It might change at some point, but I still like all the time. Welcome to Japan, 50-50, Slow Animals, Partners in Crime. Like there's a lot of really, really great songs on this album. And so it's there for me. Uh, Carrie, mm-hmm. fourth favorite strokes album or fourth best be, sorry are you, yeah you did, okay. no it's favorites now right okay, okay yes <laughs> right sure it's because because of the game it's whatever you want it to be uh, <laughs> okay bananas in the microwave. Uh, it's gonna be is this it whoa at four at four record scratch <laughs> right <laughs> holy shit whoa that's honestly intriguing. i well uh, i I'm not just surprised. didn't find save for those two singles i did not find the rest of the album intriguing all right in the same way that i did the others she did That's... say that they got better as they got older she did that whole like punk for the sake of punk and dressing up in your dad's or grandpa's <laughs> clothes like i mean it's all felt Wait, so put on to Weezer. me <laughs> <laughs> Fair play. <laughs> but it all, like that first album, just, it felt mm. like little kids putting on a high school show. Like, this is how you play oh, punk music. Okay. You know? It is kind of kayfabe a little bit. I would secede to that fact that it is a little, we want to be 70s. We want to be Velvet Underground. Yeah. Right. Kind of. Or television. Okay. Like, yeah. We we listen, even though they said they didn't. One. But Evil, what's your fourth <laughs> favorite? I don't even know at this point. But I think it's uh, New Abnormal. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, that album of the six probably has the most potential to grow on me. I think it's the most complex album. I feel exactly the same way. Uh, What's your third, though? My third is Room on Fire, and I, in parentheses, wrote Cake, because that album reminds (laughs) me so much of Cake. Really? Yes. Listen to it. I mean, I have. Yeah. A a few times. Is Satan your motor? Because it is for that album. God, I love that song. <laughs> Carrie, what's your third favorite? Room on Fire. OMV. Great. <laughs> I mean, I better drink with you guys. Oh. Hey. It's, it's a triplets. And triplets. And tri- number three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's my third favorite. I had a really hard time deciding which albums. I think the first impressions is most overlooked. And is this it? Is is this it? Room on Fire gets a bad rap that I don't fucking get at all. And maybe one of you can help me out with that. It's sophomore syndrome. Honestly, it's sophomore syndrome. When you have an album that did as well as the first one, then everyone, Coldplay went through the exact same thing. Like first album, super hype, super hype, super hype. Then it's like sophomore syndrome. Anytime something's hyped that much, unless you're... Coldplay's first album is so fucking good. It's not going to get better are you trying to get me to listen to coldplay's second album again that's rude carrie 
I was doing so well. <laughs> I had to throw a wrench in it. Room on fire for third. Wow. Oh yeah. uh, well, I guess now we go with what our favorite is. Uh, be- no. Well, no, and two, then there's two more. Well, the two is automatic. So I will say my favorite, which leads to, people don't keep track that well, do they? So no. we'll just go to our second. I wouldn't. Okay. <laughs> I'm a listener. All right. <laughs> be like, um, hey guys, guess what? Here, dear DL, you Figure guys skipped second. the second one, and I had no idea who your second one was My by the end of the night. Second favorite Strokes album, which means that I'm gonna owe a couple drinks for my first favorite, but we'll get to that later. Uh, my second favorite is First Impressions of Earth. It mm. fucking rocks. It rocks my socks off. And that's all I'll say about that. Carrie, what's your second favorite Strokes album? Drink. First Impressions. Yeah. It's so underrated. See, much like a listener, I had to figure out what your favorite album is now, Carrie. I had to do deductive I mean... reasoning. <laughs> uh, Evil. Why don't you yeah. just wait for her to say it like I do? What's the cause... fun in that? Evil, what's your second favorite? Is this it? That means Carrie and I know you very, very well. Yeah. Well, oh, come on. It's the. Do I go uh, and just say it? Or yeah, or... yeah, yeah. Go ahead. First impressions of Earth is it is their dare I say metalist album. No, it's <laughs> it's not even it's not metal. It's not even close to metal. But it is mm-hmm. it is their heaviest, most rocking album. It rocks, and it has such good guitar stuff on it. I I. Full disclosure, first listen, it I bounced off of it hard. Oh. Like, this album's not good. I don't like it. It's too long. I'm, it is I don't long. like this it's fucking music. Long. I, I want to go listen to Unearthed. God damn you guys for making me <laughs> listen to these six albums. But as I as I like marinated in the whole catalog, this is that that album was the one that like rose to the top. Good man. Cause we did guess your album because we know you so well. No, let me back up because now. I want to back up because is this it is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it was, I, I went into this thinking that it would be my favorite album. I, I, I just assumed it would be number one. It's like the stamp that they, they like put on the music industry. Yeah. Like they, yeah. they will be known for that forever, regardless of whatever else they do. They have that and no one can take it from them. But first impressions of earth is, is fucking awesome. I very much agree. Carrie, what is your favorite album? You guys know me better than I thought you did. It's the new Abnormal. Yeah, from the artwork to the losing the shitty tin can vocals to melodies, (laughs) like actual (laughs) melodies and and dissonance that actually makes sense that it was planned out to be that way. Like it's, for me, it's, it's the best of the bunch. For many, many reasons. The new abnormal. We both guessed it because <laughs> we know Carrie so well. Besties <laughs> for life. Yeah. So my favorite Strokes album, you're welcome, Kings of Leon and the Killers and everybody else that came after this. Is this it? It's a perfect album. It's fucking amazing. Let's rate the band. And Carrie, you're going to hate this because oh I don't think I explained it, but it's really you get to decide how you rate it. Oh, whether right. Whether it's your Mount Rushmore, okay. whether it's a top 10, whether it's eh, maybe 450th. Eh, it's not on my radar. I'll start with me because for me, it's the easiest. I do believe that they are on my Mount Rushmore. I think that they are one of my four to five favorite bands of all time. And that is saying something because that is with knowing that I think there is an album or two of theirs that they were kind of doing some throwaway work on. 
I really love their discography. I think that they've written some really brilliant shit, whether uh, it was on purpose or not. Uh, Evil, how would you rate this band for you? They're not in my wheelhouse at all. And we all know that. They came out at a time when I was like, my musical interests were changing dramatically. Mm. That being said, I do think that they are one of the best rock bands, like from like the 2000 to 2010 era. They, they, one of the best of that era, they are for sure a banana in a microwave. (laughs) They're not going to make it on any Mount Rushmore's for me, just because it's not my style of music. I had no problem listening to any of this music. There was at no point was I like, ah, this really sucks. I don't want to listen to the strokes all the time, but I think I'll be listening to them more after this experience. Awesome. Carrie, what about you? Okay. I'm going to cobble together a rating. (laughs) And I, I feel like they are like filet mignon on a dirty floor and it's the five (laughs) second rule. And you're like, you really have to decide if you want to eat that. This makes sense why they're one of my favorites because I am 110% yes at all times on what you're That's describing. That's what I mean. Like, yeah, if you're like, and maybe maybe it's not filet mignon, you know, but it's like, it's food. It's food that drops on a dirty floor. And you really have to, for me, I have to decide, like, how hungry am I? I think it's undeniable that they're iconic of a time. And again, the longevity factor is really big. And the fact for me that they matured musically those are all really good things i don't know that i would pick up the food i mean that's <laughs> is there a footprint on the food no it's just a dirty floor i eat the shit yeah. out of it uh yeah <laughs> it's like a, at least a 30 second rule for me yeah 30 no. seconds okay yeah um. i got you <laughs> It's like an ice cream cone that you're eating and you're licking it like five times. And you're like, this is so good. And then you lick it off the cone. You lost like, me after filet just mignon. Just finish or get down in there and get that. Okay. <laughs> it's get, It's gone from bad to worse. <laughs> See what happens. See what she happens pulls, when I drink the green the second, spot. <laughs> the second metaphor. Gets the green spot out and all of a sudden yeah. it's dog and a sprinkler. and Ice cream and filet mignon on the floor with bananas in the microwave. <laughs> Um. <laughs> okay, maybe oh edit God. all that out and just no, let me say. Let me say, <laughs> let me say it's like two camps below base camp. At least it's in that part of the world. Shooting right. Yeah. <laughs> That's the Strokes. Quite a bit to cover. I think we did a fucking good job. As a huge fan of the Strokes, I'm proud of what we have done, and we're not done. We didn't talk very much about Room on Fire, and the reason that we didn't talk very much about Room on Fire is because. Our next episode is DL's 10 out of 10s, and Room on Fire is what I picked. More to attest to how good I think the Strokes are, I chose this as my third favorite Strokes album, and I'm putting it as a 10 out of 10, which means, yes, I do think the Strokes might have three 10 out of 10 albums. Uh, That's kind of why I think they're the shit. Carrie, Evil, Rachel, and I are all doing Room on Fire by the Strokes. Evil... Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening to The Strokes. Thanks for drinking. Uh, This has been quite fun. Indeed it has. Bananas. In the microwave. (laughs) 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 Carrie, uh, are you exhausted? No, I'm the opposite. I'm invigorated. Woo! Let's do another episode in five, four, three. (laughs) Carrie, thank you so much. Everyone clap. 
Carrie, you're amazing. We love you. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. It's thank you for having me. It's been actually it's fun to have, be on an episode with you finally. Yay. Yay. We did it. Evil and Carrie, now besties, cheersing together. Join us next week, Room on Fire. Everybody, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. This isn't going to make any sense time-wise. I don't care. You're still going to like hearing it because it's nice. I just got done editing some YouTube stuff with listeners that wrote in uh, talking about the album Dirt, which you can go onto the YouTube and check out. Just thank you, everybody, that... Uh, wrote in and wanted to participate and stuff like that is fucking awesome you guys are all amazing we love you stay listening we'll stay talking yeah we'll keep talking good night and good luck